The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the power of water and what is happening on the planet you're living. There is a human mission here with the show each week for you to understand and listen to what you can do to be part of the human mission. What can we do uh, together uh, all over the world to ensure that the fact that the crisis is, can be, all crises can be solved? I, I'm a believer that an obstacle is an obstacle to solve. And bring together the team effort from all continents of the planet and work together. We recently found uh, that there's ice on the moon. And that shows there could be a potential life on it. Let's check the moisture level above the ice and see how much moisture is there for the future of what will happen. I'm going to teach you something in the show, and I'm going to bring you together with experts uh, that have been from the United Nations, from NASA, U.S. Geological Survey, Nobel Prize winners, uh, heads of research in each state, that have been studying the water table and the levels of water in their states, the controversies that are happening in California and all over the world, whether it be Yemen, um, Iraq, the wetlands, uh, uh, the Mara River in Kenya, uh, the depletion of the river and the animals that are suffering to, uh, could have a, a real devastation. I want you to learn something about our lives. Dehydration. You've been hearing with Haiti that people are very dehydrated. But did you know that happens from the moment each person, each living thing is born, alive, the seed of the beginning? The moment we leave the water bag of our mother and we enter into the air we breathe, we begin a dehydration process that I truly believe with my research has been overlooked. At that moment, you open your eyelid, no two eyes are alike, no two complexions of the skin alike, no two fingerprints alike, and more. That's a study. So the show each week is teaching you and others of the world that dehydration doesn't happen just because of a natural disaster or uh, you're sick or diseased or problems. It's an everyday challenge to solve individually, though. And I want you to think about yourself as that individual embracement of you who you are and how you react, and how much water are you really drinking. And each guest we've had on, we've been discussing this now for almost three years. What are we learning about drinking more water? What are we learning about the water crisis on Earth? 5,000 children are dying a day because of lack of water and sanitation. That is, we don't want that. What can we do to learn together in this classroom 
from our special guests that have been coming on and giving up their professional time to teach us more. Bring the message together around the world. Can we vision too far? No, it, is, it cannot be too big of a vision. The mission can be Earth, the human mission, exploring water to save lives. So let's do it together every day. Think about what's going on in Haiti with a lack of water. What's the first thing we wanted to get to them? Water. With water and maybe a sprinkler system moving around and they can jump in it and misters that are coming from whatever water they have available that probably can't drink but can put moisture in the air and give them a, a, an absorption of humidity that's, that's coming from their choice of, of, of hydrotherapy. Water, water, water. Today we have an exciting guest again. We have Dr. Barnett Meltzer, who's author and, uh, and about preventative medicine. He ha- uh, ha- likes to have a natural part of metabolic. It's called a met- metabolic fire for permanent weight loss. In other words, what are we doing to carry that weight, whether you be too thin, just right, or overweight? What are you going to learn about that? Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of secrets to it because, that's again, you're a very special person. No two people are dehydrating alike. Our second guest is going to be James Holland, who's an author and adventure photographer at the National Geographic. We're very excited about him because he's going to tell us something about in Libya when they discovered instead of oil they were digging for, they discovered water that could be for, for water for 200 years. Let's listen to our sponsor, Biologic Aqua Research Center, which I am the founder of, is, is, uh, studies the technology of water. And water around the world can be used for more than just drinking and power and, and t- the tub and for t- washing your clothes. There's another technique, technology in water, applying moisture because of dry air to the skin, the eyes, and more. Today, our sponsor is Nature's Tears Eye Mist the 100% all-natural tissue culture grade of water to apply at the eyes to replace the lost moisture for what causes the eyes to deplete in eyesight. It's your natural moisture depletion before you apply the eye drop that could cause a dehydration. We're going to listen to Nature Sears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with Dr. Meltzer. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel.
listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Today, our special guest is Dr. Barnett Meltzer who is author and he uh, specialized in uh, preventative medicine, how to naturally stoke metabolic fire for permanent weight loss. And I'm really anxious to hear from him. Are you with us, Dr. Meltzer? Yes, Sharon. Good morning. How are you today? I am fine, and thank you for joining us. My pleasure indeed. Before we continue to, in our classroom to learn what you're going to teach us today, tell us about you. Where did you come from, and how did you get where you're at today? Well, uh, basically my specialty and interest, I mean, much like yourself, you know, to see that, uh, have some kind of mission of, of people being well, I mean, in terms of wellness, it's been my focus and cause for many years. I started out as a traditional medical doctor, I did my uh, uh, surgical training at UCLA, University of California, San Diego, but about three, three years into my surgical residency, uh, back around 1970-71, I decided to... Uh, go into preventive medicine. So my focus has been more about, you know, seeing people get well. You know, traditional medical care is really a disease care system. So I kind of, you know, uh, evolved into what I would like to see as the health care system. And basically my program is about empowerment and giving to people tools uh, to stay well and be well because there's just a lot of uh, confusion and there's a lot of misunderstanding about what it takes. And right now our... You're right about the confusion because we all know with common sense... In fact, we had a Nobel Prize winner on our show recently, and he mentioned the word be smart. And I will tell you, uh, Doctor, it it is so fascinating. Uh, When we're born, some of the things that we're not being taught that could begin right now uh, from birth, uh, that become uh, the proactive part of our personal habits personally. You know, something I studied, I've been studying... um, uh, the technology of water and dehydration sure. and the air and more for a lot, many, many years, over two decades. Mm-hmm. And I was fascinated about the word vanity. Uh, when I went back and I, when I'm in research, I study keywords before they talked about keywords. And I go in, why aren't they concerned about, why are they worried about being vain? <laughs> and uh, I had launched a product, uh, Nature's Mist, the Face of the Water in, high, in cosmetics and finer department stores alongside of our high-end cosmetic companies, and they all just love the product and my approach to health and skin and more. And uh, I brought the word vain back because I looked at when our four founders came to the shores of America and they found, oh, my God, this isn't very fancy. we got to dig in, throw away the, the clothes out of the trunk, and go to work. And they became embarrassed, uh, doctor, about being vain. I think it's time that you and I tell the world <laughs> it is not embarrassing. You are special. You are unique. No two people dehydrate the same, uh, the same eye. No two eyes alike. No two complexions alike. No two fingerprints alike. Obviously, you are unique. And what can you and I teach these people? Get vain. Become concerned. Now, I'm not saying become self so self-involved that it's going to harm anyone else, but I personally think if a person's vain about how they take care of their health and the proactiveness of that vulnerability to them, it'll rub off to pay it forward for other people to think, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but I'm going to, try, I'm going to do that too. 
it becomes exciting to be vain. Well, I think what you're describing as vanity, I would just, you know, put a little different word on it, basically the same concept, but, you know, you're talking about is self-responsibility, self-accountability, self-awareness. You know, people being in charge of their own lives, and as we, as you say, and as we're talking about, there is a crisis now because, especially in our country, four to five Americans, by the time they're 55 to 65, have contracted a chronic illness, whether it be, you know, I tell my patients when they're 55, they're like five horses waiting for them. One says coronary, one says stroke, one says diabetes, one says arthritis, one says cancer. So, you know, if you want to avoid chronic illness, like you say, you have to be smart. And you have to know the fundamentals of what would be what I would call self-accountability, self-responsibility, self-empowerment. And make a distinction between that and narcissism, where you know a person's obviously preoccupied with themselves. I'm not talking think, about before we go too much further, because uh, this is exciting. What do you think? Where did we fail? Because uh, we, of all the countries of the world. Uh, now, China, way back in time, were very concerned about their health, and they learned about herbs and meditate. Uh, they learned a lot. Right. They've even beginning to forget it. <laughs> uh, yeah, they are, and it's because they're running a pace of life. What do you right. think happens in America exactly to right. leave well, even the glass of water a, behind? Yeah, we, we become a remote control lifestyle. I mean, what's happened is technology, commercialization, stress, Robotic. Uh, you know, time management, time urgency. You know, basically, uh, the American lifestyle and the high-stress people live has basically dehumanized people to the point where, you know, individuality, self-responsibility, self-accountability becomes issues for the elite almost, you know. But, but the bottom line is, unless each person learns how to, I, mean, I think it was Abraham Lincoln or Benjamin Franklin, he said it well, that by the time a person's 40 or so, if they haven't figured out how to be their own physician, they're somewhat foolish. And the point is that, you know, the only person that can take charge of your life is yourself, and the only person that can empower yourself to be well is yourself. Of course, you can get you know enthusiastically encouraged and motivated by coaches and inspired by people. Well, like yourself. this, like this show can say, let's, we're here for your classroom to remind you of things you may already know, or right. we're going to remind you about yeah. more. Yeah. You become our today. You're our our professor in our classroom. We're in a laboratory. What can we learn together? Yeah. Now, uh, as before, we get going. Uh, I'm sure you tell everybody to drink water. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody needs to drink water. Obviously, it's a huge, important factor in your health is to be well hydrated. You know how many people are not drinking very much water? Excuse me? You know how many people are not drinking very much water? Well, I, think, I, think, I think there are a lot of people that are relatively dehydrated. I think that's accurate, you know. Uh, I think water therapy is important. But, you know, there is, to me, it's a very important factor. But like I say, you know, the, there, what I, there are basically four... Uh, corners of self-awareness, just like there are four, you know, legs to a chair. And a lot of the stuff that, I'm, that I try to help people with, you know, you can get at our website, maketimeforwellness.com, where you can uh, make time for wellness and, and learn about a lot of the things that we do. But, but basically, uh, you know, the four corners, the four legs of the chair is one is self-awareness, and, and, you know, part of that self-awareness is, as you're pointing out, a need and a necessity to know how to hydrate yourself. The second is your nutritional awareness, knowing how to eat, what not to eat. The third is your exercise and fitness and your activity level. And the fourth is some form of stress management. So as, as an individual, unless someone learns the fundamentals of wellness, and as you say, these are things that are not taught in grade school. They're not taught in early life. It's kind of like, you know, we have a very confused, commercialized, uh, in many respects, an emotionally illiterate society. And uh, what happens is, and when the most important decisions in life, you know, how you're going to live your life, you know, uh, what, how you're going to stay balanced, how you're going to stay well, your lifestyle, your relationships, your family life, all the things that are the most important are things that there is basically no education for. 
So that's one of the things we try to do at our wellness institute. Now, on your website, Make Time for Wellness, do you have charts that people can learn to study without it being inundated with so much at once? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I it's, a, it's a very educational website. You know, for example, in terms of health and wellness, we have, you know, what's called the Wellness Education Network. You know, uh-huh. uh, we call it When Is Now, where we give you updated information about whether it's, you know, whatever the weekly issues are, the swine flu, healthcare reform, what have you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a person could go through uh, the majority of, of the uh, website is free. I mean, there's, uh, there's coaching services that are available for those that want to go more in depth. But uh-huh. basically most of the information out there is, I mean, our, the purpose of our, our website is to give people accurate information. Give them a location to go to a classroom in other words, they feel I can go get some information. Yeah, I mean, you know, what, what we're about is giving people accurate information about how to stay well and be well. Because, like I say, to me, that's the mission. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of environmental missions. But as a race, unless individuals start taking health as a value and make wellness a value, like we make freedom a value, I mean, our society is in a, big, is in a mess. I mean, right now, it's predicted that in the year 2025, for example, if you look at the actuarial tables, that 90% of the American public will be overweight and almost 85% will be depressed based upon... Well, by 2030, there's going to be 35 million people with macular degeneration. There you go. And that's not counting the out-of-control nearsightedness yeah. and so, other... And isn't it fascinating to all of us as we're listening to this and working together with the rest of the world that uh, proactiveness, it can be pro- preventative to learn more about, you know, a doctor, I've often said, you know, we're kind of like, I, 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 and you'll have to excuse me how I refer to things, but <laughs> in Research Forever, I have referred to things as the Earth's rhythm. <laughs> I've understood that Earth began, then Earth began with a water, and Earth began with nutrition, and Earth had to have a solidarity of ecosystem, right. which means a stress release and, 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 and a changeable climate mm-hmm. to give you to what comes along with its, its stress and what it does. Then all of a sudden came the human mission. And human mission to me means we've got a lot to do. It, can it be solved and can it be worked at? Yes. Not everything is solved at once, but everything should be worked at. Yeah, and we're going to take mission, a moment yeah. with our sponsor here in a minute. But, you know, um, we will come back and let's talk about something I will put at the top of the nutrition chart. By the way, doctor, they don't even have on the nutrition chart in America a glass of water. <laughs> now, I disagree with them. I think water is a food. It's life. It's a nutrient. And if you're not drinking water, there's no solvent. There is no digestion. And I don't mean with tea and coffee and juice. I mean water. You mean water. I know. And exactly. you're accurate. I mean, people need eight to ten glasses of water a day. That's correct. Exactly. And we're going to come back in a minute, and we're going to listen to you teach us about nutrition from the moment we get out of bed and how we should think not like a robot, but think of ourselves as the rhythm living with Earth. Because we're living with Earth. It's not going to live with us. got to be in harmony with the Earth. That's right? true. Okay, we're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the natural method of moisturizing your eyes with tissue culture grade of water because the depletion of your eyesight is lack of water. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. 
Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Meltzer, let's take our classroom to a description I was reading while we were listening to Nature Series. I missed our sponsor. Would you... Would you like to double your energy and vitality? You bet your life I would. <laughs> <laughs> well, who wouldn't want to double their energy and vitality? Of course. I don't want to be a robot. That's and, right. Uh, when I get out of bed in the morning, all of us begin our day. I don't care if we have a home we're living in or not. <laughs> there's a day to begin. What That's you, right. How are you going to teach us how to get that vitality and, and begin uh, get not being a robot ever again <laughs> and learning how to take care of ourselves? Well, I think what's very important, Sharon, I think for all your listeners, is to recognize that the uh, first hour of the day is critical to your health and your well-being. So, I, you know, I call it the hour of power or the sunrise cleansing. But, you know, we have a, uh, an interesting little uh, acronym, AMEN, E-H-M-N, to remind your listeners and to remind people, AMEN, what they have to do. And the E stands for exercise, of course. And I want everybody to do some actual physical exercise, depending upon their level of fitness. or. Now, is that the first hour? That's right. In other words, now, the first, hour, the, the first hour of the day, I mean, yeah. you break the body down into parts like we're talking about. There's a mind, there's a body, there's an emotion, there's a spirit, right. you know, mind, body, soul, and, and feelings. Yeah. And so it's very yeah. important to yeah. activate all four parts of the human yeah. body first part of the day. Now, for okay. example, and I'll tell you why this is critically important. For example, you wake up in the morning, what do you have to do to get your heart started? Well, the truth mm-hmm. is nothing because the heart starts by itself, you know. What do you got to do to get your lungs breathing when you wake up in the morning? The truth is nothing. The lungs breathe by themselves. But your metabolism and your immune system, which are going to be responsible for your well-being, they don't start by themselves. You have to activate them. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't turn, it's be, be like going into a room where you're, you know, everything's wired. You've been laying there all night. Excuse me? You've been laying all night. Yeah, you've been inactive all night. Exactly. Inactive all night and probably inactively under stress or inactively you went to bed without any discipline. You just went to bed without thinking about how to go to bed and yeah, sleep well. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, inactivity is not just during the night when you're sleeping. I mean, most Americans, I mean, only 20% of Americans exercise. Now, when you uh, first get up out of bed, yeah. uh, are you suggesting, uh, first I'm going to say, uh, like a lot of our doctors have, and I know you're going along with this, first, go have a glass of water, begin your hydration, get started. Now, when a person begins the moment of activating that circulation, oxygen, nitrogen, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and get all that moving, uh, get the brain going, even right. though you say we have that brain and those lungs, but right. sometimes they can be uh, slowed down. Yeah, they have to be activated. I mean, they you have, have to activate you know, them. What are you going to do? Are you going to do a little stretching first? Well, you, want, you know, it depends on the person. I mean, you want to get 20 minutes of some type of aerobic or some type of cardiovascular exercise in there to get in your the first endorphins. Hour. Yeah, like I say, you want to start the day right. If you don't make the incision, it's just like surgery. Now, let's say, excuse me, I'm going to interrupt you for a second for those people that are very busy. Let's say the first hour is a routine, but to change the routine not to be a robot in that first hour, is it possible that they would think, okay, I'm going to have a new, uh, uh, a new idea here with my life. I'm going to get out of bed mm-hmm. and have a glass of water 
and I'm going to do some stretch outs to stretch because I've been laying there. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to get myself into a program, not robotic, into something to get my cardiovascular, my circulation, and my muscles uh, all um, circulating. Right. What well, would you recommend they do, though, that yeah, first hour the, so they won't dread it and they'll look forward to yeah. it and it's a fun way to get out of bed? Yeah, the, the, the focus is simply this. How important is it to be rich in life? And, I mean, everybody's trying to get ahead of themselves or make a living. Well, remember, you've got a lot of people out there that think getting rich in life is putting food on the table and they forget right, about their Right, right, but to their put lives. my point is unless you're rich in health, if exactly. you're not a well-being, if you ignore the fundamentals of wellness and you get in caught up with survival issues, as time goes on, you will most more than likely, with the probabilities of the way everything's going, develop some chronic illness based Well, you upon... know, they've written books about people who are not getting out of bed and taking care of themselves. About 1 o'clock in the afternoon, they're worthless to their occupation. Well, it's, it's useless. Okay, so let's go through that AMEN technique. E stands for exercise. And I recommend everybody, if it's not, if, even if it's just a brisk walk in the morning or some jumping of rope or an extra cycle or machines, to get your body going. Mm-hmm. The H, you'll love this, the H stands for hydrotherapy. Now, the hydrotherapy that I prescribe is not just in terms of ingesting water, but the hydrotherapy is alternating between hot and cold water. For example, for me, I live on the beach, so I'm going to go in the ocean in the morning. I'm going to come back, take a jacuzzi, go back between the water. Oh, what are you doing to all of us all over the world? I'm sitting up here in Oregon on the Rogue River, and I sure can't take a... <laughs> no, but you can go take a shower. You can take a warm shower, then You'd follow it up with a quick cold shower, warm, cold, warm, night. cold. Okay. You see hydrotherapy. You can activate your master glands is what I'm trying to say. You okay. want to activate the machine. And okay. then the, you know, amen, M stands for meditation, you know. Meditation, it's time to I'm a time to, you know, develop your soul and your thinking and become a positive channel of light and love and develop that focus in the morning. And then N stands for nutrient, nutrition, and having, you know, a proper morning. Now, you know, let's find out. We don't have too much time. On the nutrition, tell me what you would recommend what they start their day with. Well, it depends whether the person's in, in you know, it depends on their metabolism. So we say the best kept secret to permanent weight loss, like you, you had alluded to earlier, is what we call metabolic fire, the fire in your metabolism. So if you have metabolic fire, meaning, and how do you know if you have metabolic fire? You know you have metabolic fire because you have superior weight control. Your height and weight and your shape are in the right place. Now, on our website at Make Time for Wellness, we have a quiz, a free quiz to size up your metabolism to see if you have metabolic burnout, which is the greatest obstacle. Metabolic burnout and appetitis, which is an inflamed appetite, are the two main reasons folks are overweight. Mm-hmm. So. If you're overweight, the way to start the day is not with a big breakfast and not with any, you know, standard breakfast. The way to start the day, if you're overweight, is to go to our cleansing program. Basically, metabolic fire is like lighting a fire. So, the well, steps how, in, what would be the what would you do well, recommend? For example, to eat? if somebody was overweight in the morning, I would probably give them some grapefruit juice with some type of a. Uh, super nutrient, what we call them, which is like a, a spirulina or bruges or something like that, in in the juice to get their. How do you give them to satisfy their hunger pain? Well, you know, again, it's it's if you do your exercise, you do your hydrotherapy, you do your meditation, you're going to weigh. You have to make a distinction for those of you that are trying to lose weight between hunger and appetite. What if you're not appetite. overweight and you still need to do all that? You're not overweight. You do all your things, and basically, for breakfast, the best breakfast would be having like fruits, nuts, and granola, something like that. Mm-hmm. Would be a live food diet. Would be. You know, basically, we, we want people you to know, hold it. something I'm going to bring up to you to think about, and um, is in my research, I've been a little concerned about uh, some research that needs to be done about you get out of bed and we're dehydrating more than ever in history. That's what those diseases are, is dehydration. But what I'm wondering about, some of the nuts and the granolas and something are too hard to digest out the gate in the morning. 
until you really get going with that metabolic fire you're talking well, about. Well, like I say, it, it, if, you, if you get your exercise and your hydrotherapy and meditation going, your body's okay. going to be ready. It has to be. It's going to be ready. The oxygen yeah, you want it to be ready. I mean, you ready. don't want to just sit there and eat foods and not be active. I mean, that's a mistake. It's what you have to what what you call earn your meals. Sugar? What do you think about sugar? Sugar is toxic. It's terrible for oh, you. Oh, it's, it's horrible. It raises the body temperature. It's destructive to the human machine. I mean, it, it causes arthritis, it causes diabetes, it causes all kinds of... Now, there of... was some research recently on the abdomen. Uh, a lot of people think uh, that the abdomen, uh, is when it gets all swelled up and, and changes the size, that there should be a concern about each individual. I don't care if you're too thin or wherever, but if your abdomen re- increases, there could be a problem uh, with their metabolism ongoing because the abdomen is giving you a signal. No, Where absolutely right. The people who have a, people have abdominal obesity who have a big abdomen. And it could be a thin person with a swelling in the abdomen. Well, if they have swelling in their abdomen, it depends what it is. If it's a thin person, you have to do a physical exam to make sure it's not something else. But right. the majority of people that have a swollen abdomen from, you know, who have a big abdomen have what we call insulin resistance, which comes from eating the wrong sugars. So, yeah. you know, like I say, if for those of you that are looking to lose weight, here's my point. Well, we're want to out of time right now, so I'll let you get that point in because you're really very good in the cl- this classroom today. <laughs> the point is, I want to, I want your listeners to make a distinction between permanent or versus temporary weight loss. There are thousands of ways to lose weight temporarily. You can mm-hmm. go on almost any crash diet, but cutting calories and exercising sensibly will never give you permanent weight loss. Ninety-seven out of every hundred people, ninety-seven percent—that's right, ninety-seven percent of folks who need to lose 25 to 30 pounds or more, will never lose that weight because the secret to losing weight permanently is creating metabolic fire. And that means you have to learn what foods turn on the fire. For example, what foods act like paper and twigs, what foods act like medium-sized branches, and what foods act like, you know, water and sand and thick logs that put out the fire. So if you're overweight, you can be sure you have a wounded metabolism and your metabolic fire mm-hmm. is not where you need to be. In our okay. book, The Best Kept Circuit of Permanent Weight Loss, I outline for you step-by-step Okay, we're, gonna, we're out of time, and I'd li- like to have you on again. You're okay. very good at this uh, teaching. And we are asking people to go to maketimeforwellness.com. Dr. Barnett Meltzer, um, we're on the West, it's on the West Coast in Del Mar, California. That's you're correct. specializing in the human mission. That's right. And uh, you're, uh, well. I want to thank you for that. Thank and you very I much, truly man. believe you've got a handle on getting us all in tune to that, getting out of bed. Get out of bed, get your water, water, get your exercise, and get your mind and spirit going, and get get yourself positive. Get the mind and spirit going, get the rhythm going with the earth, and take control, and go. Get it going. Get going. Get going. Giddy up. Get it going. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time, and I hope you will come on again. Okay, make time for Wallace, and be well now. You be well, and thank you. Bye. I really enjoyed that. That was, to me, a wow, and... uh, and oftentimes I'll say that because I like it when a guest can come on and just teach us, teach us, and be uh, aggressive to uh, reminding us some certain things that we all need to do. I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to have my glass of water as usual, but I think I'm going to take some time right then and there to do some stretch outs and get some circular, uh, some cardiovascular going. And I don't know what it will be yet, and I'll tell you about it later when I do learn. But I think that first hour he is right after laying there for so long. Let's don't be robots. Let's be human enjoy this human mission we're all going to try to do. Listen to us well on this show. We have our second guest coming in a moment, James Holland. He's author and adventurer and a, I'm really excited, a National Geographic photographer. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the natural method of moisturizing the eye. 
depletion of the eyesight, when you begin to have a depletion, is because you've lost the moisture level. You became too dehydrated. Don't apply the eye drop on top of dehydrated eyes just with a mist. Nature's tears eye mist first. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with James Holland. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. And James, are you with us? James, are you with us? I'm there. In well, fact, thank I you was for enjoying your previous segment because I do a lot of writing. Of reviews for a, a health uh, blog called uh, Basil and Spice. Oh, okay. I felt like I was right at home there. Oh, well, thank you. Yes, I enjoy that. The first guest is usually a person, something to do with your health and getting us reminded uh, about certain things. Even myself, you know, I've been studying these issues for many, many years. And I am the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center and water technology and water therapy and studying the air and what's happening to dehydration, well, you stop and think about what we get reminded about uh, that first hour of the day. Now, today we're talking to you about uh, your background is you are the photographer, have been the photographer of the National Geographics, which is one of my favorite things on earth. Everybody loves the National Geographic. And I remember years ago, um, James, when I read where the National Geographic had a whole issue on water is an endangered species. And it was fabulous uh, issue. Uh, tell us a little bit about you and where you're at today, and we'll find out what you've been doing. Okay. Well, adventure photographer is pretty much a story about how I came to be at National Geographic and and why I didn't stay there because I was lucky enough to get there when I was very young mm-hmm. and kind of got it out of my system because mm-hmm. I got to see water and all its great forms. I was in the North Pole. Oh my <laughs> I was goodness! Was the Amazon River. Oh my! In fact, I was going to bring that up today about some of these uh, uh, universal photography that you've been doing. Yes, and also uh, I spent a lot of time in various deserts, including the whole North African Libyan desert, which goes all the way across the continent there. 
My goodness. Now, that, to be a denial. photographer now, how did you decide as a young person when you decided to do this, or maybe you decided but when you got much older to become a photographer? Because that's a universal lens. That's the lens you're using there. No, I decided very young. I grew up watching uh, reading Life magazine. It was uh-huh. pre-television. So, okay. You know, uh, Life magazine, we'd run out to the mailbox and bring it in and, and thumb mm-hmm. through it. And, of course, it was a picture of the world. Uh-huh. I always wanted to be a Life magazine photographer. But by the time I got through college, Life magazine was pretty well gone, so I had to settle for National Geographic. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, National Geographic has been <laughs> known for... How that. old is National Geographic? Oh, it's well over 100 years ago. It was that. founded by Alexander Graham Bell. So. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, now uh, for you uh, and uh, what you've been doing, for, you know, I, I have a blog out called What is the Eye? And I, I, it says that the eye is the universal lens. You'll get a kick out of that. I will have to blog you. But the universal lens to me is like you are using your camera. The eyes that you have, all of us have, to see is the lens of our life. And what you're doing, James, is you're taking your lens, your eyes, and going out and sharing your vision with the rest of us um, out there in the world. Tell us about some of the... Now, I was told that you have been around the world and you've seen a lot of water, and that was exciting for me to hear. I'm, I have this thing about water. Uh, I've swam the rivers on the edge of the Carapids. I've swam across the bays, come back with the cuts from barnacles. Uh, I've been one of those people who, uh, people who look at me, James, don't know it because I, I dress in a suit and, and I carry the briefcase and I'm in research every day at what I do all over the world, but in water. But uh, I am as nature as they come. And you must have been fascinated with nature because of the way you went all over the world taking your lens and getting pictures for the rest of us to see. And I guess you've had lots of experiences with water. Well, we all see differently, too. That's right. For instance, one of the books I did recently was was a compilation of 40 years of of pictures that I'd taken with fisheye lens. With what? A fisheye lens is a round lens. You get pictures that are round, like what you see when you look with your eyes. Only your eyes. Oh, in other words, can I back up for a minute? I'm going to have fun with that one. You know, this summer I was sitting on the river, and, and there, we have these ponds in front of us that are freshwater ponds, and there's the river. And I took, you're going to laugh, I took my fingers and made little round, uh, like, uh, or, or took my fingers together and put them over my eyes like a little uh, cave. I mean, mm-hmm. looking through, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked how I was telling my husband, I said, Bill, if you do that, and I, I said to everybody, do that, do that. And I said, look at how different everything looks. Right. It's like and it your was eyes, like whatever you, you look at, your eyes, it's it's a 180-degree scene there. Yeah. And it's three-dimensional because you have the two eyes. And, and things show up better. But your your mind's eye focuses on just the little part you want, like somebody's face yeah. or whatever. And then most cameras just take a little rectangular thing section of that whole mm-hmm. 180 degree picture right. and so fisheye pictures make very interesting whole concepts it makes everything look so much different but oh yeah but anyway seeing you know what's fun about a photography for anybody is that everybody has their own little insights their own little viewpoints and they can share them through photographs which is cool now a person who takes pictures like yourself 
I'm going to ask, I've never asked this before, you must love your own visions. In other words, your rhythm, uh, I believe that every, each person has a rhythm with Earth themselves. And I, I have this little thing, Earth has a whisper. And uh, when you get to doing what you're doing all over the world, and I'd love to, to take you with me on some things we're going to be doing in the future, but the thing about it is, is when you're looking at what your, your lens is looking at, your eyes, your universal lens, your vision as a rhythm to you personally. What an adventure, James. How lucky you were, ta- you were given that gift. Yes, and it's, it's nice to be visually oriented. You know, I, I really do appreciate that. And that's how I grew up. And I realized very young uh, in, in junior high school that I had a knack for capturing images. So. Uh, and you liked it. I loved it, and it, you know, you it's like it. anything you else. Anybody else good at, you liked it. If you're good at it, you know, you want to do it, and here it is, 50 years later, and I. Now, what did your parents it. say when you wanted to become a photographer? Well, they said, "Okay, right, yeah." <laughs> and then later, when I was really doing it, then they thought, began to get worried because they thought I had a death wish. You know, they said, <laughs> "What in the world are you doing photographing the Ku Klux Klan? What are you doing photographing?" The uh, the snake handlers of West Virginia, and I didn't like that story about you almost sitting on a rattlesnake. <laughs> <laughs> now let's take our audience over to the waters of the world. Now you were over in Libya, and tell us the story. What happened? Oh well, there's the, the this book uh, is just uh, it's a memoir of one mini adventure after another. I mean. Every day was something new. Uh, sometimes they were life-threatening. Sometimes they were interesting. Sometimes they were scary. Yeah, people forget that sometimes taking pictures is life-threatening. <laughs> yes, and some things are really scary, like being chased around the sand dunes right. by some guys you don't know. They're or in anything. Their land, they, yeah, people don't, yeah. You don't, you don't know what country What did country you find out in Libya? That was fascinating. Right. Are, 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 is this a border patrol, and they're just trying to collect taxes because they think you're smugglers? Or is this a bunch of sand pirates and they're going to leave you out in the desert? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so you suddenly go from, from days of boring travel through the dunes to uh, absolute sheer terror. This is over in Libya. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the thing about Libya, which was interesting, is, of course, the Libyan desert takes up the whole top of uh, the North African continent. And it, most of it is very rich in oil, particularly in Libya. I mean, they practically just have to go around with a with a pipe and throw it, stick it in the ground, and up comes oil, like it was at Libre Tar Pits or something. Mm-hmm. And when they really get excited is uh, when they accidentally discover water, because there, that's important. Mm-hmm. And uh, recently, uh, <laughs> recently they've discovered a huge aquifer of stored water left over. Below that sand thousands of years ago, uh, fairly deep under the entire Sahara, and it's, it's, been, it's been kept in there by a layer of clay. Hmm. And there's enough water there uh, for the uses of the North African desert country for probably a couple hundred years. My so, goodness. Well, yeah, you've heard the story about uh, 60 Minutes had this on, and I just loved it. And I love 60 Minutes. And, but anyway, you, they've been tell, tell us about a lot of things, very open-mindedly about the earth and what's going on with nature. But they had what happened with Saddam Hussein. And, and I guess way back in time, he, he did use weapons of mass destruction. And then Allied forces came in concerned about his, uh, what he was doing. And they left in 1993, but he had villages in different 
uh, individuals out in his uh, country that sided with the with the Allied forces. Well, when they left the Allied forces, he went over to these different c- tribes, villages, and took away their wetlands, bulldozed their water, and let them die of dehydration. Right. The animals, the families, the the uh, the generations of these people all died. They they couldn't. There was no water. They were out in the desert. Well, just recently. Uh, because things are now coming calm again and people are looking at what makes life better, uh, they brought the wetlands back, uh, James. Well, they're working on it. It's, it's not that easy. Uh, you know, have you been over there? Millions of years for those uh, wetlands to form. Yeah. Now, yeah. Do you, have you been there? They were showing some pictures of where they're coming uh, back and they're bringing them back in again. Now, do you think this is what's going to happen that. over in uh, Libya? That they're if they once they bring that water to the surface, that they could they could have uh, develop a wetland? Uh, I don't think they'll ever have wetlands as such, but they they will have more more oasis and uh, more oasis. Okay. The oil companies have been doing a lot to try to uh, to stabilize the dunes. And then they can use them for growing things again. Isn't that, isn't that fascinating thinking about growing something on a sand dune? Well, it's, it's interesting because one of the things I covered in Libya was the ancient Roman city of uh, Leptis Magnus, which was buried for a couple of thousand years under the sands. And now they've dug it up, and it's uh-huh. marvelous because they find all kinds of sculpture in its original locations. Oh, like, how lucky you are. My like goodness. corpuses at the end of benches. Uh-huh. And oh, the statue still in the amphitheater, uh-huh. and at the time that uh, Leptis Magnus was was booming, that was the main shipping point of all the animals for the circuses mm-hmm. in the Colosseum in Rome. Mm-hmm. And the desert's gotten much bigger since then. It's just uh, in, in just the last two or three thousand years. So now, have you ever, with the waters of the world, is there another place that you would like to tell us about? Well, of course, the Amazon is a million oh, yeah. stories. <laughs> I mean, uh, between 18-foot-long uh, catfish, you know, uh, between freshwater sharks, between those lovely little piranha things. In, in the Amazon River. Right, and, and the tributaries. The Amazon is huge. It's the largest river, the longest. It takes up nine countries. Mm-hmm. And, for instance... Um, Did you notice when you were there, um, <coughs> excuse me, how... Uh, what the what was happening with any uh, droughts or was the water freely uh, healthy or is there anything any issues with well you with have education? the flood season there that's that's perfectly normal uh, um, the main thing you watch out for when you have droughts and uh, and it does that happens every year when the when the waters recede somewhat when the rainy season ends mm-hmm. is you got to be careful because it's in these little isolated pools mm-hmm. that's where the piranha are. Mm-hmm. You know they're stuck in one spot and they're starving, mm-hmm. so you, that's where you don't want to go. They don't no. like current, so in the river, the main river, you're fairly, you're fairly safe. But I remember when I was in Suriname, we went to see a new dam that had just been built, mm-hmm. and uh, we were scooting across the the lake there behind the dam, and all these trees were sticking up from, you know, they they hadn't cut them they had down. Built the dam. Right. They were just sticking up, and a lot of them were just below the water. And I said, gee, aren't we going a little fast? You know, I mean, we could rip out the bottom. He said, ah, don't worry. And so we got up behind the dam, and uh, we decided to do some fishing. We'd throw a baited hook over, and just as quick as you could snap your fingers, there'd be this fish on it. So we'd pull it in and be flapping around in the bottom of the boat. 
and the guy would reach for it, and the other guy would say, don't touch that. Ah! You're, <laughs> t- you're going to tell us that was a piranha? <laughs> and he'd spear it, and he'd hold it up. He says, see the teeth here? This, this, this fish was about a foot long, but it was a piranha. Oh, my God. <laughs> he says, you don't want to touch this. <laughs> you know, we'll put it aside here. Yeah, I've got to and ask every you. time we threw over more oh. bait, we caught another fish, and we quickly realized that we were sitting Oh, <laughs> one huge pool of hungry piranha. Not even funny. Oh, my goodness. I, Were you in a rubber boat? <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't rubber. But I said, you know, when we go back, let's go a little slower. Let's get out let's of here. Let's go a little closer to the shore. I don't want to have to swim. <laughs> yeah. I live on the Rogue River in Oregon in a cabin <laughs> I'm sharing with you. And if I, I mean, you, you can swim. We have a cavern right in front of our house here, our place. And... Uh, and, you know, when you go swimming and it's very deep, you always wonder if there's something there you don't know about. But <laughs> that's, I want to ask you, uh, have you ever been to Kenya? No, I haven't. Uh... Well, you know, there's something that I hope you do with us. I want to do this someday. Um, I would like to go to Kenya to the Mara River mm-hmm. and uh, find out what is going on with the conservatory of animals, that the river is getting very shallow. And mm-hmm. it's the largest conservatory of animals in the world and uh, absolutely endangered if, if the river gets too dry because that they're having to depend upon that's their only water source. Right, and also the poachers are getting the so, well, water and it, areas yeah, want to They want them to stay in that conservatory and feel free. These are the uh, elephants and the tigers and the zebras, and we could go on and on and on, mm. thousands and thousands. And uh, I have this thing, uh, James, uh, I want to learn more about that. Uh, then the other one is over in Yemen. Is uh, there's a water war been going on for a long time? People cannot protect their water sources. There's not enough. Mm-hmm. Now tell us about. Have you ever known about the water source? Well, now you said you had been to the north. You were in Antarctica. No, I didn't go. I was supposed to go there, but I got stuck in the Amazon. You got stuck in the Amazon. <laughs> well, they wanted me to go. Because Trying to get I'd across that river story. without those piranhas. Yeah, I'd done the story on the International Ice Patrol. Uh-huh. So I had flown over the North Pole. I was hanging out of uh-huh. the back of an uh-huh. HC-130 plane. Now, up in Alaska, I'm going to ask you, have you ever been up to Alaska between Russia and Alaska? And did you know about all that fresh water that's there? You mean uh, next to Sarah's place there? Yeah, <laughs> right. In fact, I have to tell you one. Somebody said to me, she had no experience, and I said, anybody who's a governor of Alaska has to live across from Russia and that close to Russia, and they've got all that body of fresh water and all that nature to protect, but there's an enormous amount of body of the largest fresh water in the world. Yes. Did you yes. knew about it? I, I, I knew they had plenty there because they have plenty of snow, too. So Right, right. And then have you heard about uh, in uh, China, they're having uh, the sea is now turning to ice in China? Well, I'm glad to hear that. That that means maybe we're not going to have so much uh, problems with global warming. I don't think we are. <laughs> I don't know how it is there, but it's been awfully don't have cold here. Time. <laughs> we're almost done, and I'd love to have you back again. We've only got about another minute and a half. What would you like to say to your audience around the world? Because you do have a universal lens in that eye of yours. Uh, what would you like to share with us? Well, if you're interested in any of my books, you can actually go to the publisher's website, which is a bit of Boston books. Okay. Or, or just a bit of Boston books. Okay. And I'll tell you all about them there. I, and you, I live, like, you live in Boston? I live in Boston now. It's been yeah, very exciting Boston. around here lately. <laughs> and where did you live before you went to Boston? Uh, when I was working for Geographic, I was in Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. 
And before that, I grew up in the Midwest, so I mean, that's why I do a book on something. Now, where did you grow up? Mine in Arkansas, you know. <laughs> You're from Arkansas. No, but I, I lived in the Ozarks, so I knew okay. about this diamond mine in Arkansas, so I eventually did a book on it. Okay, so, so they can go to a abitofbostonbooks.com and get a, a lot of these uh, visuals that you have had around the world and what you've done for a long time. Right, or you can do uh, uh, just uh, do Amazon or do uh, James R. Holland, uh, okay. Google, and you'll probably end up with my Basil and Spice uh well, I'd like to have you on again because I'd like to pick out a spot and, and see if you could teach us something about different places in the world you've been. If you, would you do that again? Sure, whenever you'd like. Okay. And if I travel and we can do it I, uh, to go check out some of these places in the world and their water, I'd l- sure like to have your lens to do it. Okay. Well, I'm sure you'll be a plenty of volunteers for that kind of thing. You know, that's pretty exotic. Well, thank you. You have a very special day and be well. Well, thank you very much. You too. Thank you. Bye. You know, Earth has secrets, and I've said this over and over again with our show as a classroom. The classroom that we bring to you every week is exciting because the Earth, we have a mission statement here. Without the water, there is no life and there is no Earth, and we can save lives, all of us. And when you're listening to the show, when you're done each week, you can think about what you could do to be part of this. You're, they're having crises all over the United States. Uh, isn't that astonishing in the United States, one of the most modern p- places in the world and the most intelligent and educated people in the world in 50 states, I call them 50 countries, here in the United States. There's a crisis with water. And the, we n- need to realize that if we're going to have Earth be here for eternity, least kind of, this show, The Power of Water, is the only show like it in the world discussing nothing but the water. And when you're living and you're getting up in the morning and you know that you must have that glass of water to begin your day because you're a walking orbit yourself, don't say it's the, uh, the tea and the milk and, and the coffee and the juice. You drink water. Earth has a secret. Embrace you, your life, every moment of the day. Enjoy the values of what you've been given to see what you have to live with. Earth whispers, though. Never say goodbye. Do something important to you for yourself, and that will be important to others around you. Leave your footprint. I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us on the next show because we have those special guests every week. Thank you for listening. Have a nice day, and be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. 
The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.